Hello and welcome to PointCast. I'm your host, Francine Dash. Today we have with us Tracy Harris from Cleveland Heights, Ohio. Welcome, Tracy. I'm really glad that you can be here with us today. And hopefully we get a chance to not only learn about the issues that matter most to you and the issues that you want lawmakers to pay attention to, but we learn a little bit more about who you are as a person. So again, welcome to this podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you inviting me. No worries. No worries. Um, I appreciate you wanting to share your voice. Um, Like I said, I want to get into a discussion about the issues that matter most to you. But before we get into that space, why don't you tell us a little bit about you know, we know you're coming from Ohio, but a little bit about where you're from and and who you are as a person and how you got to where you are today. Okay, that's an interesting journey, and I will try not to take up the whole show. <laughs> take your time. It, but, um, I'm currently living in, in Cleveland um, and working here, but I am from Youngstown, Ohio. So I uh, attended school there um, for my um, bachelor's and, and all. And then, and I was fortunate enough to um, go to school and education is one of my areas. So that's kind of why I'm talking about that now. Um, fortunate enough to go to school on what we call a racial balance transfer. So I went to one of the really good, um, it was a public school, really good public school. And um, and so of course that shaped my viewpoint on, on education and all. And so from there, I moved to Cleveland to start working. Youngstown didn't pay enough. Mm. They paid thousands less, you know, small yeah. town. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, you know, the teacher, when I did my um, student teaching, I think she got 17,000 and I was starting at 24. Yeah, big difference that she had been teaching. So moved yeah. to Youngstown, um, did my uh, master's and PhD, you know, uh, here and, um, you know, started, uh, I taught for about 10 years. I'm currently in the corporate um, sector now, um, you know, working and uh, addition to that, somewhere in between, you know, raising a family, um, I also became a uh, third level like Reiki master. Wow. Wow. I'm a therapist. So basically what that means is I can teach in addition to, you know, do, uh, you know, Reiki as a, as a practitioner. Okay. Uh, and for I'm people a, who don't know what Reiki is, could you just explain Reiki that a little is, bit? It's, it's energy work. It's a Japanese uh, form of energy work and it basically facilitates healing. Okay. And so it's not that I heal you, but I help you and your body, you know, to facilitate healing, whether that's mental or physical issues. People tend to use it for pain, um, those who have anxiety, mental issues, um, health problems. And so um, if you understand, and it's kind of like too much to get into as far as the energy work, but if you are familiar at all with any type of energy work, I mean, you're doing it in hospitals now. So mm-hmm. it's not the woo-woo kind of thing that, uh, you know, it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm also a certified hypnotherapist. So I did go to school for hypnotherapy and have had clients, you know, come in for, you know, everything from sports uh, mm-hmm. and, and able to to uh, bring their scores and their, their points and everything up to people who just had health problems, uh, physically wow. relationship problems, mm-hmm. uh, sexual problems, et cetera. Uh, non-medical, you know, issues. And so um, that too. And then I'm also a Tantra uh, teacher too. Oh my goodness. You have a lot of hats. What is the the Tantra? Did I say that correctly? Yes. It's it's basically, well, (laughs) that's another big one that I take about a week to explain. But most people, if you think of the Kama Sutra, Yes. And which is sexual text. A lot of people just look at it like that. But that is only one aspect of it, the sacred sexuality and the relationship work. Mm -hmm. It is a lifestyle. What you choose to put in your mouth, how you eat, 
Are you harming others in what you do? What do you say? Um, it encompasses the Reiki, the energy work and, and everything else. So it's a lifestyle. Mm, it's not just okay. the part that, you know, the Western world sees it as ooh, sexual information <laughs> and, and relationship. It's, it's a lifestyle. So right, right, right. consider everything that we do. So um, I've got a number now. I'll, I'll kind of stop there, but that gives you an idea of a bit of my, you know, background work that was kind of in between the current job that I have. I just love to, you know, learn. And so uh, coming to today, so I still practice a number of those things. Okay. on the side and I also you know work a, a a regular job so I just I love people and so it's something that I can do to help and I didn't get into these uh, as a vocation per se okay. Okay. I did it for myself for self-healing and and myself and help I have a question for you have you ever used any of those training methods in the educational setting with students no, I was, this is all post um, my teaching time. Oh, okay. okay. You know, but, you know, I do have the ability to like to help students with test taking and getting over nervousness and all of that. But I did have colleagues who were uh, currently in um, education at the time. And so they did use it. Not You're not going to come in and hypnotize a class per se, but I don't know if you're familiar with mindfulness. Yeah. Helping yes. students to center and maybe meditate a little and get their minds together. A lot of it is just mind work. It's not that you're hypnotizing somebody to do something. You're mm-hmm. getting their mind in, in, a, in a, a set in, in a way where they can be productive and not be fearful. Like testing causes, I mean, I've seen, I had students who break down crying before tests. Like they could have gotten an A, no problem. Mm-hmm. And so it helps with those kinds of, of needs within a classroom, but you're not necessarily hypnotizing anyone. You're using other parts of your, uh, background and education in that field to help. Right, right, right. Actually, that's pretty, that's really noble work that you're trying to do there. And hopefully you. you continue to work with people and, and continue to bless people in that space. Now, let's talk about uh, what we're here to talk about, some of these political issues. I know there's just a lot that's been okay. in the political sphere as of late. So there's there's no short shortage of, of things to talk about. But I really want to focus in on the issues that matter to you or maybe even some of the current issues that are taking place but I really want to understand you in that space and um and really want to understand how those issues affect your life so what has been something that you've championed or in your past or as of late uh, that's been important to you that you think that you want legislators to pay more attention to and to really take more seriously? Oh, sure. There are a number of issues that I can mention, but being honest, the reality is I don't feel that I have the ability to do much about it. (laughs) But as far as, I think the number one for me is is in in education. Okay. The disparity that we have in education, I think is atrocious especially in public education. Now, my kids, I'll admit, they did go to a charter school and there's a big, uh, you know, debate about, well, the funding that goes to charter schools is pulling from the public schools, but some of the public schools are horrible. They're horrific. Mm-hmm. And um, I happened to live in a suburb that was neighboring a, a public uh, school that was at the bottom of the list. And because of going way, 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 way back, um, and the law, they wouldn't change the law because it would destroy the school, but the kids had to go to that poor public school, basically. 
even though they lived in a you know more affluent suburb. And so, you know, um, looking at what's going on in the schools is just it's just the disparity is 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 really sad. Many of the schools, if you look at the funding, funding in Ohio was based on, of course, taxes. And it had been found illegal. And but what have we done to solve the problem? Nothing much. And so if you live in an area that has a, a, a very affluent um, citizens, and then of course the school has more funding for books, for beautiful buildings, et cetera. And uh, the other areas, well, they suffer. And you don't see changes generationally over, over the years and how we're educating the kids. I mean, if you go way, way back, I think it's Horace Mann schools, you know, African-American people were educated basically to clean houses for white people. Mm-hmm. And when they went to school, that, that was how preschool started. Um, they went to school to learn how to sweep. They learned how to scrub. They learned how to clean. Mm-hmm. Now, going forward, is it much better? Some of many of our public schools, especially in some of the huge urban areas, you know, what we are doing, and this is one of the biggest takes that I got from um, obtaining a doctorate is we are preparing kids for prison. You come in, you sit down, you shut up, and you do bell work. You do not challenge the teacher. Okay? This is preparing you for what kind of a life. Now, in contrast, if you look at the schools that are more fluent, you might pay $25,000 a year. The mm-hmm. children come in, they have an option of maybe if they are energetic children going to the gym when they come early, run around. When they go to classes, they have centers. They get to choose. There's always choices. Do you like to read? Do you like to do science? They start their day with choices in areas that will kind of calm them down, get them happy, and 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 off to a great start. Remember, we sit down and shut up. Mm. And start writing with words. Wow, that is an and, amazing yeah, difference. A big, and that's just pre, that is even before the day starts. And, and one of the things that are encouraged to do who have I hate to say white privilege but the more affluent schools is to challenge authority mm. how are you going to be a boss if you do not know how to challenge authority mm. how are you going to be right, a leader right. so, so you're so saying in those schools they're teaching them how yes. to hold their position and challenge authority whereas Absolutely. in the schools that have been predominantly and traditionally black they're teaching them how teaching them servitude Exactly. Preparing you for prison or for the workforce that of of basically low paying jobs. And so I'll give you an example. Uh, My daughter was fortunate in her early years to attend a, you know, really good school. And I remember the principal gave a talk um, to parents and she was talking about my daughter. I'm like, oh. So there was a a conversation. My daughter wanted um, some some more cookies at lunch. Oh, by the way, lunch was a buffet every day. Really? In two rooms, <laughs> a two-room buffet, and parents could come every so often when they wanted to. It was a two-room buffet, and so um, you know you have your deli room with hummus and, and snacks and your delis, and you had your hot meals, whatever. Right. So she wanted additional cookies, and the teachers told her. I mean, the principal told her no, she could not have any more, and that she would have to uh, have those cookies at home if she wanted more. Mm-hmm. And so normally that would be the end of that. Mm-hmm. And she said, "Well, my mother does not buy these kinds of cookies." Mm-hmm. So may I have some more cookies? And there was discourse or debate, call it what you will. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about that. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, if she would have went and told the principal, look, my mother doesn't have these cookies at home. I want some more cookies. She'd be in the office in mm-hmm. trouble. 
but they encourage you to have a discussion. No, you cannot. Well, my mother doesn't buy these. Well, tell you what, maybe you should talk to the cook and find out what type they are. Mm-hmm. So then your mother can, you know, there's a, there's a discussion and this is just a little thing about cookies, but the reality is the big issues are also discussed mm-hmm. and there's a give and take. So this was when she was probably in second kindergarten, mm-hmm. but if you, if you move up into, to where you get to high school, right? then you use that serious debate and discussion about issues going on. And that's what builds leadership says yeah. you need to be quiet and don't question they are taught to question mm. and that's not and it wasn't considered a negative thing right right this is how we learn how to debate how we learn how to have discussions i mean if you have to if you have your own business how are you going to run a business if you cannot have a discourse with someone else to disagree with, disagree with you know what you make me think about how cultures perpetuate this right you can go into schools and all the teachers are black and they will perpetuate this shut shutting down of the students, mm-hmm. this institutionalized disparity as you describe it. Uh, how in the world can you begin to address a thing like that when they have help from within? Well, you've got to understand what the problem is. I don't think they know. I'm gonna be honest. I don't think my peers knew uh, what they were doing. You know, um, even not correcting children. You know, I was I was adamant about correcting their 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 speech. Mm-hmm. There are no ain't guys, don't guys, you know, he be sheebies in my classroom. Mm-hmm. When you would come, you would have to come and address me properly, or I take you back to your seat. And they could start over again right, with right. a complete sentence. And so identifying that that these are issues, even what to wear. Why are you wearing a, a thin white top, young lady with a red bra on underneath? That's a problem. You can't do that and go get a good job. So identifying that these things that we're doing are perpetuating mm-hmm. somebody else's agenda is, is I think really, really important. But there are many teachers who do that mm-hmm. um, and they understand, but the big picture is we're looking at a major system. So I'm what, talking about just a couple little things politically and then looking at the funding of our schools and the lack and all of that. That's an even bigger picture. Well, this sounds like more than just funding. This sounds like fundamental ideals about what people are actually capable of doing and setting standards based on that, setting limitations actually based on that. Um, I'm wondering, though, with everything that you're sharing, at what point in your career as a teacher or maybe before, maybe after, Hmm. did this become as clear as it is to you now? And what was a triggering event? To be honest, this is how I started. I, I I was privileged enough to have a very good education. And so I started day one giving that back. Now, interestingly enough, I came into an inner city school and I chose to work in inner city, an inner city school that um, all of the so-called, I hate to use the term bad kids, but that's what they were labeled, mm-hmm. mostly boys. Uh, were put all in one room so that other teachers didn't have to deal with them. And I walked into that. I didn't have a problem with it. I knew how to handle discipline of my mother. You know, like, let me get eyes. Okay, we're not taking this. <laughs> and and so I started off um, in a certain way. And things were always positive for me. But I think going to school, going to getting a doctorate, that is where my eyes were really open to how broad the problem was. 
and the disparities and what we are really, really doing. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about, like I mentioned funding, and I look at funding a little differently. People complain, you get enough money, you get enough money. Let me explain. So, you know, the school, here's another example, the school that my daughter attended, they took their money and built a tree. It was a giant tree, huge, massive tree. And they built like a tree house. The tree house had uh, spaces where you could have the kids could sit and have lessons. Wow. It wasn't like a room tree house. It was circling this tree house and it had ramps for those who were in wheelchairs. Mm -hmm. And they could sit and do activities and listen. So you and, can go up had, the tree in a wheelchair as well? It was well, wheelchair oh, it was, accessible? Yeah, and then you could sit. It was like a like a deck. It was a deck on a tree. Mm. So cool. Wow. And they had, you know, and so uh, they had land that they owned where they could look at coyote tracks and they would take the kids out. And then there was um, some pottery. They they always had uh, visiting artists into the school and theater and uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, authors. Mm -hmm. And so they would do pottery, the old fashioned kind where you'd fire in the ground. They brought in this artist to show the kids how they, they did it. They didn't read about it. Mm. how they used to do it in these ancient they actually did it so that when i talk about money mm. i'm talking about experiences not just nice new books i'm exactly. talking about what you can experience culture capital how do we build culture capital in our kids and that's a big lack you know and and i'll tell you you know people interview you when you meet certain people for jobs or for different things, I remember, you know, being interviewed and someone was talking about ice skating. This was a secretary. I said, oh, yes, my daughter did ice skating and she did this and that. And and then, you know, in other times, somebody would make a joke. They would say, oh, this is like Lord of the Flies. Well, if you're not well read, you don't know what Lord of the Flies is. You don't know what the metamorphosis is. Mm -hmm. Right. And so right. so part of the, that, that, that funding is is building certain types of classrooms with richer literature with science where they can go and do and and have their own lake and ponds and things and and study it right there and so um you know my i saw that somewhat but it, it came at a greater understanding in college and and once i had children and i wanted them to have the best and that's when i really saw the the disparity between what you know our kids i mean if you go into some of these inner city schools look at the kids faces they are so sad and i understand they have hard lives right but they are so sad just to i mean i, I walked in one school uh, and, and i was there to to meet with someone about you know something and and the kids had a guy come out to do ball and yet yeah. their faces were still sad i'm like you know, you make me think of a situation about a couple of years ago. It's so interesting. I went to, I was working with an organization at that time and was looking to create internships for some of the children in some of these inner city schools. So I, I went on a little bit of a, you know, a small speaking tour and was really excited about this opportunity for them and um, maybe too excited and went in was speaking and there's no reaction sharing what it is and what it could lead to and, and the exposure that they could get but you know you you contrast that with when I when I spoke with other um, uh, groups that were more uh, ethnically mixed or primarily mm -hmm. white it was a totally different perception first of all they knew what an internship was and right. I myself took it for granted that these children, they probably didn't even know what I was talking about. 
So um, I, I remember that you, you kind of brought that back to my memory. What when we talk about because we're getting short on time here and I, I we could this is something we can talk about literally for hours and and not even cover all of the issues that are a part of this. But when we talk about this issue about disparity and you really breaking down what disparity means to you and making it very clear, what can can first of all, do you think elected officials can do anything about it? And secondly, if so, what do you want them to do about it? Because like you said, it's not just funding. Right, right. It, it, this is not a quick answer. It's not just, hey, let's just change the funding and things will change. That's part of it, but that's not the solution. It's going to take time. You've got to restructure some of the system. And I understand states have their own rights. Um, testing is different across the board. You have military kids and they can't pass tests because they're all different all over the country. Right. You need to have some things that are unified. Mm-hmm. You know, we, I took the Iowa back, you know, way back when, yeah. and that's normed across the whole country. Well, right. a lot of schools don't use it. They use their own tests, you know. So some things I think we need to really consider making them all across the board so it's equitable everywhere. I think but how do you prepare the kids for that? Like if some of these kids are being introduced to Hobbes Leviathan in eighth grade, and then you have other schools where the eighth graders uh, can't even read past the third grade level, then how is the equalizing the testing going to matter for that? Like, what what can be? It's gonna, well, first of all, it's going to let us know across the board across this country where you're weak. Okay. Every test is different. Other. Okay. And so from there, then you make sure that it is addressed in the curriculum. If the curriculums are all different, the tests are all different. Now, should we nationalize the curriculum? Should we nationalize the curriculum? Or should we leave it to, you know, individual states? I think to states? a certain extent we should. We, we should. Um, if you just, and I keep using the example of military children who can't pass tests because they're all different. We yeah. still need to have our state, uh, like social studies. Mm-hmm. Math is math. <laughs> yes. And, and th- you know, throwing out whole language. But, you know, uh, I do think, you know, reading is reading. We mm-hmm. should. We should be reading, you know, certain things. Every, everybody should. But we should still have the the certain things that each state has, like social studies, for example. Right. Learn right. your own history. Pro history, that is. Right. Right. Exactly. That's a, that's another conversation. That's because another conversation. About the and some other things. Yes. Right. Being, right. You know, and before I can't let you off this interview without asking you this question, there has been a lot of talk going around. Uh, the issue of rewriting the history textbooks to be more reflective and to be more inclusive. Uh, But there are some who say that that can, you know, it'll never be completed. You know, you have to have some sort of baseline and where we are is at least a baseline and you rely on the individual teachers to teach from that baseline. So where do, where do you stand on that? Do you think it's time to rewrite is rewriting the, I'm sorry, go ahead. We need facts. We need the truth, not just what is perpetuated. Because I've, I've seen some books that had lies. I've seen what racist teachers have been teaching kids. Um, I taught in, in, in you know, urban Cleveland, and a lot of things were not mentioned. The truth was not mentioned. I said, look, here's how you pass a test. I'm going to tell you what's on the test, what things that you're going to be expected to know, and then I'm going to tell you the truth. And then maybe we'll have a speaker. And we're talking about, say, Native Americans, for example, Native American history. But so how does that of- complicate? How do you balance? Because it sounds like you're saying, 
I'm going to teach you what they say, and then I'm going to teach you the truth. As Absolutely. If say, and so that you, is, is that, that what teachers are having to deal with? Those conscious teachers are having, just like you teach your children certain things. Right. You know, this is what they're going to tell you at school, and, and let us tell you about your history as a as a brown child which could be, you know, any, any race. So it, it's sad, but right. we do need, need some, some major change um, in that area, but it's gotta be the truth. It's gotta be facts and it can't just be, well, Hey, you know, the Alamo, we stole Native American land. We stole Mexican land. Let's be honest about that. We stole their land, California, mm -hmm. et cetera. Let's be honest about it. And right. this is where we are today with it. We're not giving it back, mm -hmm. but we stole that from people. Yeah. We stole that from people. Do you trust public schools to teach your history appropriately though do you no absolutely not okay <laughs> <laughs> when, no, there are going to be pockets always right, of, right. of teachers and and principals and schools that are going to to teach true history and 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 be diverse and not just do it on the shortest month of the year in in february there are going to be pockets of, of schools you know that's across the board but, but everywhere across the United States, no. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a parent's responsibility. But once again, do the parents have the knowledge? Do they have the time? Do they even have the culture capital to be able to expose their kids to the truth in, in these things, mm -hmm. to cultural activities that help their kids to understand who they really are? And I can go on and on about all of that. So yeah. the answer is no. I trust no one. And that is my responsibility as a parent to make sure that happens and uh, and, and of course, those around me too. Right. Young man, you know, everything to me, if I'm going to teach my own, if there's another kid that I can touch, mm -hmm. there's a little boy. And I'll tell you, every time he got, I, I carpooled, every time he got, he said library one time, I almost died. Library. I died twice when I heard You know, him. you and I had that discussion yeah, years yes. ago about library and library. I can't, I can't. I, yes. guess what? He was in high school <laughs> and every time he got in my car, you know what I said? What's the what's the name of that place where you go? Get books. He's like, library. I said, okay. Yes. Every I did it for a whole year. Cosmic Every, clusters. Said, Cosmic clusters. Never say library. But he wasn't my child, but yes, he was. Right. But you were modeling for him. Village. It takes a village. It takes I'm a village, and that applies to everything. Yes. Let's let's go back to something you said before, and you're alluding to it, but I'm just gonna pull you out. Okay. Do you think the public education system as we know it, is racist. I don't think it's the system itself. Mm -hmm. I think people within the system are going to choose what's in their best interest to to teach and and to continue to perpetuate their beliefs. Well, how do, do you explain? How do you how do you explain some of the misinformation, you know, that our children have been taught historically? Uh, that you just alluded to, like the Alamo being one example. Okay, because it's, it's a choice. Uh, when I choose the textbooks for my school district, if I am under the belief system that Native Americans are, they, you know, savages, and, and this is what they did and, and all kinds, then I'm going to choose textbooks, because every, you can get whatever you want writing. I'm going to choose those things which are going to reflect that belief system. Mm -hmm. And they're not going to tell the truth about the rich culture of native people so it's a choice it's not everywhere mm -hmm. but it's a choice and and it may be at the superintendency level going on down to those who are part of committees 
But don't forget the people who are offering the books take you to wonderful dinners mm -hmm. and you travel to meet with them. There's all kind of other things involved in there too. Okay. And so it's a choice. Okay. Everyone doesn't have that, but I don't think that the total truth is in most books, no matter what, because we're not ready. You know, uh, brown people are a smaller part of the population. Right. So of course it, our viewpoints don't matter as much um, overall. And that's, that's what I truly believe. The true diversity and richness of our culture is not in, in, in the text. And I, I think we have a long way to go. We're doing better in some ways, but we have a long way to go. So um, it's a choice. And these are the textbooks they choose. And some of them are more um, aimed at diversity and, and supplemental materials too, not just one textbook, the other books that they get, those are all choices. And so, you know, some choose well and some choose, uh, you know, those that represent the Confederate flag, I'd say. Well, Dr. Harris, I really appreciate, uh, we're going to have to let that be the last word. I really appreciate you sharing and educating us about the disparity in education with everything else that you're doing. Was it third degree Reiki master? And yes. hypnotherapy, you're doing some therapy, right? Right, right, right. Just, I really appreciate you sharing your views about the issues that matter most to you. And our hope with every point cast interview is that we prick the hearts of legislators and hope that they pay attention to the voices of everyday people who are voters and the concerns that matter to them in such a way that they take action that reflects that they are listening to us voters so i, I appreciate so you too. absolutely i appreciate you contributing to this to this uh, a community quilt if you will of goodwill and uh, i thank you again for spending some time here on pointcast and for those of you who are, who are listeners i want to remind you that you can pick us up on apple podcasts on our website at pointcast.news and of course on our social media at instagram and facebook just search us out at pointcast thank you so much for listening to us please stay tuned with all of our other podcasts and uh, everyone be blessed thank you thank you bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.